0: Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this roundup of some of the latest fake news. Right now we're living in a historic time. This is a time that I believe history books, depending how much longer... The world can go at this point, but if there are history books written about this period someday, I think it will be described in detail. I think um, it's, there's a very good possibility we're heading towards a World War Three scenario. Uh, and if that be the case, it has already started. If the Russia conflict ties into the Israel and Hamas conflict that's going on right now, if the U.S. gets involved, if China gets involved, if other countries start joining the fight, I think we might consider ourselves being in world war three and it wouldn't have started just this year. It would have started back in February of 2022. That was when Russia initially invaded Ukraine and it could be something like all this stuff could get tied together. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, after all, Russia wants oil. Ukraine has oil. Russia wants it, but also Israel has oil. I'm kind of thinking if Russia can't get Ukraine's oil, Who's to say they might not just try to go down and get Israel's oil? I mean, they're already right there on the border down there, too. So, you know, I'm just saying we see where this could spiral into a much bigger deal than it currently is, um, especially, you know, if Israel appears to be weak because it's it's recovering from a war or already in, engaged in, in another conflict. Uh, we could definitely see all these things coalesce. And so uh, is we're living in interesting times and we're living in historic times. My wife has been reading a book on World War II. I think she's been in it for like six months, (laughs) but (laughs) she recently said uh, World War III might get started before she's finished reading about World War II. That's how much we could be on the cusp of it. So, as we slink towards World War III, let's talk about how not to be an idiot in these trying times, Uh, because there are a lot of idiots right now who are spouting off about the things going on. Many of them are on the news media. And so, uh, as you all are aware, Israel had a horrific attack a few weeks ago, and I mean, I don't think I need to go into detail. You all have hopefully been paying attention to what's going on. You've seen how innocent people were slaughtered. Some, as I'm recording this, there are like 100 or 200 Israelis who are still hostages. Many of them probably dead, many of them children, but they could still be alive. There is a very dark time for Israel at this moment. As they're trying to save their people, they're trying to wipe out these terrorists so they don't have the, these people as a thorn in their side anymore. And so this is this is a very troubling time over in the Middle East. But I want to talk about how this was reported by our news media. Because if you just pay attention to the mainstream media in America, you're not going to get the truth. You're not going to get the full story. I'll, I'll show you right here. Here's, here's a, he- a headline from Forbes magazine. It says, Hamas threatens to execute Israeli civilian hostages for unprompted attacks on Gaza. <laughs> so, in other words, Hamas is threatening to execute the hostages they have because Israel is doing these attacks on Gaza. That's where the terrorists came from. And, the, and Forbes calls them unprompted attacks. It says that Israel is making unprompted attacks against Gaza. Gaza literally has hostages within it right now. And, and and Forbes is saying that the Israelis trying to go in and save their own civilians, that these are unprompted attacks. That is how radically insane the writers are over at Forbes magazine. Here's one from the Washington Post. It says, Israel formally declares war against Hamas as hundreds are killed on both sides. That's how they describe it. Hundreds are killed on both sides. They don't mention in the headlines that this all started because Hamas entered Israel, and killed over a thousand people just a few weeks ago. A major terror attack. They invaded Israel. It was the most Jewish people slaughtered in one day ever since the Holocaust. And Hamas did that just a few weeks ago. And how does... So Israel goes to war against them. And how how does the Post describe it? Hundreds killed on both sides. Just absolutely ridiculous. This is a sovereign nation who rightfully has their land, because the the United Nations gave it to them. It's the historic land of the Jewish people. And every time they get attacked and fight back, uh, people start going out here and calling for a ceasefire. That's the phrase you've been hearing a lot. We just need peace right now, guys. We need a ceasefire. You know, okay, Israel, yeah, you had over a thousand people killed. Let's all just lay down our guns, and let's just all get along. As if that's what you do. Can you imagine if people said that after the the terrorists on 9-11 attacked America. Oh, well, we just need a ceasefire with Afghanistan. We just need a ceasefire. Well, wait a minute. They just killed 3,000 of us. So we're just supposed to call for a ceasefire and everyone just pretended it didn't happen? No, you go in and you hold the people responsible who did this thing. Uh, the Palestinians, and I, I know we all talk about how um, uh, they're like, oh, they've been so oppressed by Israel and Um, they, they, you know, know, people in the media are saying they had no choice but to invade the country a few weeks ago and slaughter these babies. Uh, people always want to act like the Palestinians are these innocent bystanders, bystanders. They elected Hamas terrorists to be their leadership in, in Gaza. The people, the Palestinians in Gaza, they willfully chose to be ruled by Hamas. Hamas... Are these evil terrorists who have been nipping at israel's hills for years and years and just finally uh you know obviously crossed the line and now they're going to get what's coming to them but uh the palestinians chose this they submit to this they are currently hiding the terrorists within their cities within their communities right this moment instead of just turning them over and releasing the hostages they are hiding these terrorists right over there in gaza so um I don't want to hear anything about the hey, kids are innocent. Kids are you know, I I feel terrible for the women and and children and civilians who get caught up in the conflict. But if any of them know where the terrorists are hiding, bring them to justice or, you know, you are going to get you're you're just defending terrorism at that point. So this is this is the way I see it from here on the other side of the world. Uh, There's if people are going to try to say there's more to the story that there are Um, there's plenty of blame to go around, but you know what? There is just no excuse for these Gaza terrorists to just invade over into Israel's territory, kill babies, set innocent people on fire, all that stuff. Uh, no excuse for that, and I will make no moral equivalence between the two groups. Now, should we try to minimize civilian casualties? Of course we should. But according to many people who are the more liberally minded, and even some conservatives— they just assume Israel is not going to do that. Everyone just assumes Israel wants to kill civilians. Um, and it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that we're even having this conversation. You know, back when Ukraine was attacked by Russia just last year, you did not immediately see a bunch of stories about, oh, well, if Ukraine fights back, well, let's make sure there's no civilian casualties. You know, you didn't see a bunch of stories about, you did are the Ukrainians going to be nice to innocent civilians? in the co-? You didn't see that stuff. But when it comes to Israel, all of a sudden, everyone acts like that they have this big responsibility to make sure that as few civilians are going to perish as possible. Now, again, of of course, they want to do that. But why does everyone just assume Israel isn't going to do that? Again, to use a 9-11 reference, when when we fought back after 9-11, nobody was out here saying, let's just make sure that there's no civilian casualties when we go take out the terrorists. You know, that's not what we were talking about immediately after that attack we were talking about holding the people responsible. And so I don't understand why everyone just assumes Israel is not attempting to do that. Uh, When Israel wants to defend itself, anytime it wants to defend itself, suddenly you see a bunch of people going out and criticizing them. And so I want to take a moment, I want to share from this BBC reporter. uh, And this is a guy who was recently describing the situation. And I think you'll hear that he knows what he's talking about. Is that a reasonable, proportionate, and moral response by Israel.
1: There is some deep perversion in Britain whenever Israel is involved in a conflict, and it is the word you just used, proportion, proportionate proportionality. Only Britain is really obsessed with this. I've heard it for the last few days incessantly. Proportionality in conflict rarely exists, but if we were to decide that we should have this fetish about proportionality, then that would mean that in retaliation for what Hamas did in Israel on Saturday, Israel should try to locate a music festival in Gaza, for instance, and good luck with that, should try to find a music festival in Gaza and rape precisely the number of women that Hamas raped on Saturday. Kill precisely the number of young people that Hamas killed on Saturday. They should find a town uh, of exactly the same size as a town like Sterot, where I've been many times myself, and make sure they go door to door and kill precisely the correct number of babies that Hamas killed in Sterot on Saturday, and shoot in the head precisely the same number of old age pensioners as were shot in Sterot on Saturday, just to choose one town. Proportionality in conflict is a joke, And it's a very strange British concept which we've had that only the Israelis in a conflict when they are attacked are expected to have precisely the proportionate response.
0: So the truth you've got to remember is that Israel always goes out of its way to reduce civilian casualties as much as possible. The problem is that these terrorists will hide their weaponry in schools, in hospitals, in churches and temples. They do this intentionally. Because they want those locations to be destroyed. They want there to be civilian deaths. They want their wives and their children to be killed in the crossfire. Because that helps their narrative. They will sacrifice their families to help the narrative that they want to tell, which is that they want to say Israel are the aggressors. Israel are the bad guys. Look at how many innocent people get killed. When they use their own families as human shields. It's disgusting. It's sickening. And you know what? I, I hate to see any innocent person die, but Israel has got to do what it's got to do right now to get these terrorists out of Gaza. And um, if you're a Palestinian, if you're a good, a good sincere, kind-hearted person living in Pal- what they call Palestine nowadays, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's all Israel, but you know, whatever. If, if you're an innocent, sin- sincere person living in Palestine, you should have no problem telling the soldiers where the hostages are telling the soldiers where the real terrorists are and you would want the terrorists out of your country i'm an american i don't want any terrorists in america i don't want any american terrorists if there were any going to other countries and slaughtering innocent people for some wacko reason i would be totally against that if they were in my country i wouldn't want them either so if you're just a sincere kind-hearted palestinian that's what you should want to and um Every single death that's that's happening right now in Israel or in Gaza, every single death is Hamas's fault. So don't be an idiot and just believe what Forbes and Washington Post and all these other people are trying to tell you. They think you're stupid. A lot of people out there are stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't listen to them. Another thing to remember is that we are in the fog of war right now. If you want a little more information on fog of war reporting, I did an episode called The Fog of War, and it's back in probably February or March of 2022. This was when the Ukraine and Russia conflict was going strong. You know what? There's a lot of things I even said in that podcast that turned out not to be true. They were saying back then that the Russia and Ukraine conflict was only going to be, um, they said it would only last a few weeks. Some said a few days. And then here we are. It's been over a year, a year and a half or so. And that is still going strong over there with no end in sight. So you know what? That's what the Fog of War episode was all about is that what you are told initially is not the way that things are usually going to play out. And we are in a fog of war scenario right now with the news coming out of Israel. You just should not believe any of the initial reports coming out about anything right now going on in Israel. I mean, I think it's pretty well confirmed that more than a thousand Israelis were killed. So that's, that's pretty well known. But, um, there was this big story over the, like a few days ago, that Israel supposedly had attacked a hospital. And I explained why earlier, why they might attack a hospital. It's because this is where the terrorists often hide their weapons and their their armories and their um, soldiers and all that. They'll hide them in places that, you know, if it gets bombed out, then they can talk about how mean Israel is. So this is always part of their plan. Of course, Israel is said to have bombed the hospital. And immediately you see all the news headlines just ready to report on how terrible Israel is for bombing hospitals. A few hours later, the news comes out that it was actually a Gaza rocket that uh, the, that the uh, terrorists were shooting, and it apparently it misfired. I would even question if it misfired, but ac- apparently it misfired and crashed into this hospital, and so we were told 500 people died. When this hospital exploded, 500 people died. Now, isn't that interesting that they immediately knew 500 people were killed in this hospital blast. They just immediately knew it with the Israel news after the terrorist attack. It took them several days to know that it was, you know, the first day they said it was 100. The next day they said a few hundred. I heard 400. Then the next day, 800. Then the number is now 1,200, 1,400, something like that. So we it takes days to count the dead and find out the exact death toll. But yet with this hospital explosion, they were immediately saying... 500 people died in that explosion. How did they arrive at that number so quickly? How did they know it was 500? I'm telling you guys, when you see stuff like that, that should be an indicator this is a scam. And so the hospital story, first they said it was Israel, then they said it was a Hamas rocket misfire. Now they are saying that it just hit a parking lot. And so it didn't even blow up a hospital in the first place. I don't know how many people died, but it wasn't 500. It wasn't anything like that so you know what um the the fog of war is real okay you just don't know what you can believe anytime you see reports coming out about anything uh earlier this week or maybe this was last week but ben shapiro uh, host for the daily wire he shared a picture of what was said to be uh burned babies that the gaza terrorists when they invaded israel that they let her, they uh, sad to say I hate to talk about this stuff but they they murdered children they murdered babies went into daycares slaughtered you know young kids um, did horrible things to them and then many times burnt the bodies and so Ben Shapiro shared a picture of what was said to be a burned baby then it turned out later that people were saying that this picture was AI generated then uh, after that then it turned out it was not AI generated but that the it that the computer program that scans photos to see if they are ai generated um that this computer program is very unreliable and so it turns out it was true so we were just again it was this ping pong of back and forth is this real is this not real and as i've been saying this year on the podcast with how easy it is to generate video and pictures through artificial intelligence it's getting really really hard to tell what's real and what's not so this is something that we just have to you know I believe it was probably real. I don't know if the picture was real, but I believe it was real that this is what the Hamas terrorists did. There were many bodies that were burnt and mutilated. I mean, we saw it on video. Again, you just always have to question what's real and what's not. Um, but uh, it's it's getting harder and harder. Keep an eye out for propaganda. This is another thing I talked about previously on the Fog of War episode, but I'll talk about it again here. Propaganda is... Um, Here's a definition. Propaganda is the more or less system, systematic effort to manipulate other people's beliefs, attitudes, or actions by means of symbols, words, gestures, banners, monuments, music, clothing, insignia, hairstyles, designs on coins, postage stamps, and so forth. So, propaganda is a way of using symbols, we might just say, symbols to manipulate other people's beliefs. All right. Now, here's what you got to remember about propaganda. Sometimes people dismiss stuff as just propaganda. They say, well, it's not true. It's just propaganda. Propaganda can be true. That's what what makes it a little bit tricky. Propaganda can totally be true. It might not be true. It might actually be true. The point of propaganda is not whether or not it's true. The point is that propaganda is meant to brainwash you. Okay? It's trying to brainwash you. It's trying to make you believe a certain thing. Trying to make you accept a certain belief. And the media... A lot of them are just propagandists. They just want you to believe that Israel are the bad guys because they're anti-Semitic, they're anti-Jewish, and so they just want you to believe that Israel are the aggressors, that everything happening is their own fault for some reason, and everything that the Gaza terrorists are doing to fight back when they go out and and burn these, these children and kill these babies, that they have justifiable reasons for it because they are somehow fighting for their freedom. And so when you... You know, you hear that, and that sounds insane. But whenever you have every news outlet, okay, all these people on TV, all these journalists who say that they know the truth better than anyone, when they're going out there and they're all saying this, this causes people to get very, very confused and believe the lies. And that is because of the power of propaganda to brainwash people. So keep an eye out for propaganda. Again, it's not its not about necessarily whether it's true it's about a style. It's about a pattern of persuasion that governments and the news media in different places employ because they want to sway public opinion about things. And that's what we see happening with the reporting on Israel. Like I said about the, the hospital story, as soon as it was reported that, that it, you know, Israel bombed this hospital, you saw all the media come out in hordes to repeat this thing and before they even went to see if it was true before they even waited for more facts to come out, they immediately wanted to talk about it because it made Israel look like the bad guys. Ben Collins is an NBC reporter. He got an award just this year for, quote, best practices of TV journalism aimed at combating misinformation, disinformation, and defending democracy. (laughs) I love how self-important these journalists are. They give themselves awards for defending democracy (laughs) with the junk that they go on TV and try to tell us. And so Ben Collins... He, he tweets the story about the hospital that was bombed simply with the words a hospital, you know, just clutching his pearls. Oh, the poor children, how they would be, you know, the poor innocent people, the poor sick people in this hospital who just got destroyed in a blast. You know, and so he's over here with his crocodile tears about that and shares a story that says at least 500 people killed in hospital bombing in Gaza, Palestinian officials claim. Okay, so then there's a comment on his er, tweet. Someone responds to him on the tweet and says, This is horrific, but can we wait a bit to see what actually unfolded before parroting the Hamas government that this was an Israeli airstrike? There are conflicting reports that the explosion was caused by a failed Hamas rocket. And so Ben Collins, this guy who gets an award for journalism aimed at combating disinformation and defending democracy, that Ben Collins, that NBC reporter, He replies when the person suggests that we wait a little bit before parroting the information from Hamas, he says, I think people should know hundreds of people died at a hospital immediately. That's why I picked that headline specifically. So he says, hey, we got to, I got to tell this as soon as possible. We don't have time to wait for the facts to come in. Not whenever I can parrot this story that Israel bombed a hospital. You know, we got to tell this to the whole world before uh, before the story has time to change, before more facts have time to come in, we gotta immediately tell everybody about this. It all turned out to be a lie. <laughs> I love the old quote: the, the, "A lie can get around the world before the truth can get its pants on." <laughs> and that is that is a, a a that's the modus operandi of the of the news media is get the get the story out there as fast as possible and wait to check the facts after you've hit publish. <laughs> and so there again, as a good clue that this was not true. Right off the bat is how they immediately were able to tag it with a number that 500 people died. How would they have known that instantly after the explosion? Okay, well there there you go. There's how not to be an idiot. Uh, as you see news coming in about Israel, and um, keep them in your thoughts, keep them in your prayers, and we'll just kind of keep an eye on that as time goes on. Haven't had an episode for a while. Uh, I guess what I'm I've been a little extra busy. I'll tell you why in a, in a bit, but been a little extra busy here the past few months and i'm like well i just did three episodes last month about the trump indictments thing and and nothing had really happened to kind of draw me back into doing a a recording today um except for this what's come up with israel and so i think kind of what i want to do for this podcast um just as life has gotten a little busier and priorities have shifted around i do want to keep doing it But I think I, you know, as I've I've just done it less and less, instead of doing it once a week, like when I originally started, I now do it uh, every few weeks. Um, I I think I try to get at least two or three out per month. I'll try to stay there, but I'm also just going to try to wait and wait for big news stories to happen um, so that I have something to talk about whenever I'm talking about how to how to carefully peruse these stories and know what's true. So anyway, it has been a little while. Let's do a what's racist for this week everything is racist so what's racist for this week is the number 83 that is now considered racist um, according to the anti-defamation league it's kind of like the southern poverty law center who just decided that the anti-defamation league gets to tell us what is hate speech what is racist (laughs) what is it it's like they just give themselves the name we're the anti-defamation league and then they go out and defame people's character all the time (laughs) <laughs> because they call everybody under the sun racist for this or that. And now, if you use the number 83, it's a white supremacist numeric symbol, according to them, that stands for Hell Christ. <laughs> if you say Hell Christ, <laughs> apparently that's a that's um, white supremacist language. So Hell Christ is racist, it's white supremacist, Because the eighth letter of the alphabet is H and the third letter is C. And so HC stands for Hell Christ and Hell Christ is racist. So the number 83 is racist. Thank you, (laughs) Anti-Defamation. This is not the only number that they classify as hate symbols. Also the number... So I read this story, this headline or whatever, a tweet. It says... It says 17% of the numbers from 0 to 100 are hate symbols now. And so 17% of numbers from 0 to 100, that would be 17, right? (laughs) Wouldn't that just be 17? Why say 17% when you're talking about something from 1 to 100? It's just 17. So here's the other numbers that are racist, according to the ADL. 9, 11, and it's not 9-11, like the terrorist attack. That's like the numbers 9 and 11, okay? 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, 18, 21, 23, 28, 33, 38, 43, 52, 82, 88, and 90. So all of these are considered hate speech numbers. (laughs) So if you see someone using that number, um, you better watch out for them. So if I had more time, I guess I might go through more of them to (laughs) to see why all these numbers are racist. But um, just so you know. 83 okay uh i love this clip that's been kind of making the rounds here recently a politician in canada just demolishes this reporter who's trying to write some kind of hit piece on him and he's just asking the reporter to to clarify his biased questions um but the reporter can't do it he only knows how to talk in a biased way and so this politician his name is uh well it sounds french okay this is canada his name is pierre polivier i don't pierre polivier okay i don't know if that's the right way to say it that's the way i want to say it so pierre polivier and he's just eating an apple and talking to this reporter and it's just a glorious thing to hear
2: um on the on the topic i mean in terms of your sort of strategy currently you're obviously taking the populist uh pathway um what does that mean well, appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly you mean certainly you certainly you tap certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know this and that. Right wing, they. You know, I mean, it's that that type of ideological stuff. I never really
1: talk about left but or right. But anyways, a lot of people don't pe- really believe in that.
2: Okay, a lot of people would would say that you're simply taking a page out of the. Donald Trump. Uh, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but
1: well, you're uh, the one who asked the question, so yeah. wow, you must know somebody.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point it. of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, you know, given, you know?
0: Okay. I love it. I've watched that like three times. I just love that whole exchange. That's a great way to know. Um, that's it. That's a great way to demolish any argument is just when someone comes to you and they phrase it in a very loaded way, when they phrase their argument or their question to you in a, in a using language that you don't agree with, ask for clarification. Okay. Make them put it in objective language. And if they can't do that, it shows they haven't really thought the issue through. Okay, I could ask a question to a Democrat or to a Republican, and I could phrase it in a morally or a, or a neutral way. I could phrase it in a neutral way so that it was a fair question whether, you know, they answered one way or another, but I could ask it in a fair way. But a lot of times you see the news media ask things in these ridiculous ways that that only shows how left-wing people think. And if they can't put it in a neutral way— if they can't ask it in a, in an objective sense, don't answer the question, just pick it apart. (laughs) And so I love what this guy did. I love how just casual with the apple and everything That's pretty good. Okay. If you want to stay in touch throughout the, the periods between episodes, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is, uh, I need to write this in my notes. I keep forgetting what my handle is. I don't. Because I never talk to myself on Twitter, right? It's like a it's like a cell phone. <laughs> I never call myself, so I uh, I but I do remember my cell phone number. I should try to remember my Twitter hand. Well, I, I'm not going to remember my Twitter handle if I can't even remember that it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called X. I'm going to still call it Twitter. My Twitter handle is at fake news So if you want to get in touch with me, that is one way to do it. My my phone will ding. It'll ding a ling whenever you message me. I'll I'll see it right away. If I'm paying attention to my phone, so you can get in touch with me on at fake news, Luke, or you can send me an email fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. I said earlier, I've been a little busy lately, as I was uh, said, I'd, I'd explain why later I'm actually starting another podcast. Um, I uh, I mean, I've been busy with work and some other stuff in life, too, but I'm always busy with work, uh, but for, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to start a third podcast. Um, Actually, it's my fourth. I do a podcast at work, but it's more of a news centered, local news centered podcast. I do a podcast called Cross References, and that's a Bible study podcast. And I I consider that my main thing that I do. So if you ever want to, you know, here's some more for me. Go check out Cross References in your podcasts. And anywhere you find fake news, you should be able to find Cross References. So I, I offer that one. That's a Bible study podcast, and I do this one here, fake news, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, and then I have a fourth one that I'm going to be launching in just a few weeks. So my new podcast is called Weird Stuff in the Bible, and I I don't think I have to explain it. Yes, it's another Bible study podcast. I don't think I have to um, explain what it's about because the title kind of does that for me, but in case you are wondering, in case you're curious, I want to play a trailer here that tells you a little bit more about that upcoming show. I think we could all agree, the Bible has some strange things going on in it, right? Talking donkeys, six-fingered giants, and don't even get me started on some of the wild things that Jesus says. But when you come across something odd in the Bible, most of us probably just skip right over it. I'm gonna encourage you to sit on those things a little longer. Let's linger on some of those passages or verses whose meaning seems unclear. God put it there for a reason, let's find out what that reason is. Weird Stuff in the Bible is a podcast where we explore scripture passages that are bizarre, perplexing, or just plain weird. My contention is that it's not the Bible that is off base, we are. The Bible teaches us that there is a spiritual reality. Not just what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears, there's a lot more going on out there than what we perceive. And the Bible tells us more about it than you probably realize. So this is a podcast that answers all those questions that you were too embarrassed to ask about in Sunday school. If you like weird stuff, or if you like the Bible, I've got a podcast for you. My name is Luke Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast today. Weird stuff in the Bible. So exciting times ahead in, in a Luke world as I'm getting geared, I'm gearing up for to, to launch this other podcast. I'll try to keep fake news going, so don't worry. But if you just want to hear a little bit more from me, if you like weird stuff, if you like the Bible, th- this is gonna be the thing for you. So <laughs> weird stuff in the Bible. First episode's coming out on October 30th. And then they will come out starting on Wednesdays after that. So November 1st will be the second episode. The page is already there. And so you can go subscribe to it anywhere that you're listening to this one. Okay, let's close with... Um, we'll do a very quick Beyond the Headline as we close down. I'm just going to tell you now, I'm, it's a little bit depressing. So <laughs> I like to try to end on a positive note, but I'm just not feeling it today. I'm sorry. Babylon B. Okay, I've never done a uh beyond the headline on from the babylon b before i don't know why because they have some good headline babylon b is a satire website and uh actually i don't think i'm even gonna go I, i'll just read the headlines here they got some pretty good ones so right now they got a headline it says republicans to spend weekend brainstorming how to be even more of an embarrassment and then they have another headline it says republicans sure glad nothing important happening in the world while they sort out the speaker mess and so these these headlines are referring to what's been going on in the House of Representatives lately. Republicans got this narrow majority back at the end of 2022. Um, they had f- like 15 votes, most votes ever for a Speaker of the House. Finally choose Kevin McCarthy. I did not like Kevin McCarthy. Um, I am not a fan of him. I, th- I think he's a little bit too much of a weenie, but... They picked him. They finally got him. Th- hey, this was a Trump endorsement. Trump said, vote for Kevin McCarthy. And so anyway, then there's just been a lot of people disappointed with his leadership. Personally, I I think he's been fine. I Like I said, I wasn't a big fan of his before, but I think he's done an OK job. It hasn't really upset me that much. A little bit too lenient on the, you know, throwing money at Ukraine. But I understand their reasons for doing that. So it's been, you know, he hasn't been like a disaster. and then matt gates who is currently under some kind of like ethical investigation or maybe it's a criminal investigation but something that has to do with sexual harassment or something like that so he, you know he's under he's under investigation right now he really wanted the new speaker which was kevin mccarthy this new republican leader to kill the investigation and kevin mccarthy would not do it and so matt gates got a few other Republicans to, to it only took like eight of them and they voted McCarthy out of the speakership role. And this has never happened to a speaker of the house in American history that once one was set in, there's never been a, a repeal of the speaker of the house before. And it happened. Um, thanks to Matt Gates for his totally personal beef. He's going to pretend it was about principles or conservatism or something like that. Had nothing to do with that. It had to do with his own personal problems, how he got seven other people dumb enough to sign on to his plan. I don't know. I'm sure they are all regretting it now because now it's been like two or three weeks and there's been no Speaker of the House. Republicans are a laughingstock. They're an embarrassment. And so um, I guess my closing thought here today, have a plan um, because Republicans charged in, and I, I want to say the Republicans, I guess I mean eight of them, but they disrupted our government in a huge way with no plan for moving forward. They kicked out McCarthy. They didn't have anybody waiting in the wings who was just going to slide in there and replace him. And so I remember thinking, well, when, when they blew it like this, they kicked McCarthy out. And this was all in the headlines for like three or four days. Then Israel got attacked. And I was like, okay, well, the Republicans kind of caught a lucky break on that because now everyone's they've forgotten or they're ignoring the mess that the Republicans created and they could go ahead and just, you know, quietly install somebody while everyone's looking at Israel and hopefully voters will just forget that Republicans there, the way that they decided to govern is by having a little civil war. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they blew that chance because here we are two or three weeks later and they still haven't coalesced around a new leader. And so they kicked McCarthy out and they had no plan for who was going to replace him. And so that's just been a huge embarrassment. Um, that's been a kind of a recurring story in American politics for the past few years, is people just kind of do things, and they don't have a plan. That when Democrats got us involved in the Ukraine and Russia conflict, it's like, okay, we're fighting back against Russia, but what's, what's the plan here? You know, are we going to go to war against Russia? Are we just... What if Russia starts to win? Do we just flush all that money down the drain and forget about it? Like, what's what's the end goal here? What's the end goal for Ukraine? Do they make a peace deal? Do they give up some land to to Russia for peace? Do they keep fighting and try to take part of Russia? Like, what's what's the deal here? There is no plan. Nobody has a plan. So they get involved in these squabbles with no exit strategy, with no way to get out of it. And when you do that, it it ends in disaster, like the old saying. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And that's just what I see happening again and again. Sorry to bring up the Trump stuff again, but that's what I keep asking all these Republicans who think Trump needs to be the guy next year. Then what's the plan when the primaries, as soon as the primaries are over and they start dragging him out into trials and those trials will wrap up and he could be sentenced by the time of the 2024 um, election day. He could be under house arrest. He won't even be able to campaign. And the independents, people who, if you look at the polls, a lot of independents favor the way that Trump handled the economy and favored the way he handled foreign foreign relations and all that. And that's good because Biden has been sucking at it. This is an easy time to beat someone like Biden. But independents believe that Donald Trump is also a criminal and they believe he should not hold office again. And they believe that he tried to overturn the election. That's what, and I don't care what your Republican friends think, that is what independents think, okay? Whine about it, blame fake news, blame whatever you want, but they believe that he's a criminal, and they're not going to turn out and vote for him. And especially after six months of of watching him go on trial and get found guilty and put in prison or put under house arrest, after all that, that's not going to convince them that he's suddenly innocent independents are not going to turn out and vote for Trump in that scenario. And if you want to win a presidential election, it's not about swaying the Republicans or swaying the Democrats because they have their party. You got to sway the independents. And so there is just no plan for getting Trump back in the White House if that's who you pick for the primary. Guys, you got to have a plan. (laughs) And So I see the Republicans who only have one little sector of government that they are allowed to govern right now, it is the House of Representatives. It's the only place that America has given them power. And it's just a tiny sliver of power. So they had to be very careful. And Matt Gates and seven other Republicans just decided to blow up some TNT and overthrow their leader and left a power vacuum with no one to fill it. And so it's turned the Republicans into a joke. It makes them look like they can't lead because they can't lead. You know, it's just exposing how empty all of these people are. They just want to be an opposition party who whines about what the Democrats are doing, but they have no interest in actually furthering any policy of their own. This is why I don't even call myself (laughs) a Republican. I am conservative, but I just will not put the, I don't like putting the R word on my, you know, identity because then I feel obligated to defend the stupid stuff that they do. And all they do is stupid stuff all the time. I would love to vote for them because their policies match my beliefs a little bit closer a lot closer than the democrats but i can't do it when they act like this i just don't even want to be associated with them or defend them at all and so that's got me a little bit depressed about 2024 because it's a big election year uh the house will be up for grabs the senate will be up for grabs and the white house is going to be up for grabs and um you know last night i'm recording this on a saturday i guess i'll put it up today or tomorrow but um Last night, I watched a, a local high school football game, and it was probably the most grueling football game I've ever watched in my life. And and the reason is that, you know, the team we were there for, we knew they were going to get slaughtered. They are like, the weakest team in the conference. They were playing what was, like, the strongest team in the conference. And so and it, it was, there was just... Uh, we knew the outcome from the beginning. There was no enthusiasm. Like, the stands were almost empty... On the, on the home team side, which was the team that I, I would guess you could say I was there to support. And the stands were empty on the opposing team side. I had to be there for work. <laughs> That's why I would, if you're wondering why I was there in the first place, I had to be there for work. I had to be there for the whole game for my for my job. But this was the most difficult game to watch I'd ever because we just all knew what was going to happen from the beginning. We knew they were going to get blown out. Our own fans didn't show up. The other team's fans didn't show up. Why did nobody show up? There was like no enthusiasm in the stadium. Everybody knew what was going to happen before the kickoff, before the coin flip even started at the start of the game. All season long, we knew what was going to happen. It's hard to watch that kind of fight. And anyway, that's just kind of how I look at 2024. Um, Republicans have no plan, no plan to take back the White House, no plan to hold on to the House of Representatives probably aren't looking to make any ground in the Senate either. And it's kind of like, I'm looking at this fight. If Republicans go with Trump, if they want Trump versus Biden again, it's going to turn out even probably worse for Republicans than last time. There's no plans being, you know, they want to whine about mail-in voting. Okay. I hate the mail-in voting too, but they've not offered any solutions to that problem other than Ron DeSantis down in Florida, just saying, you know, he, he actually fixed it in his state. Republicans haven't done anything to fix it anywhere else. And so, yes, it's going to be another mail-in voting election where we're not going to know the results for days, probably. Or if we do, it's just going to be that Biden won in a blowout. And it's going to be like that game I just described. We all see what's coming. The writing is on the wall. And there, there's going to be a few people with stars in their eyes who get their hopes up and they believe, hey, you never know what's going to happen. And they really try to act like it's it's going to be this close horse race when they're not looking at the statistics uh, but I'm just telling you guys if you want to be a planner you got to look at the stats and make your decisions based on data and um, you know' I'm, I'm I, Republicans tend to be more christian and they have a lot of prayer groups okay I go do a few prayer groups dr- during the week um prayer is great I think prayer is important but you know Republicans go out and pray that the voter fraud and all that's going to get fixed. The Democrats go out and plan. They have a plan to enact their agenda. Republicans pray. Democrats plan. Now, I'm not against the praying. I'm going to keep doing the praying. But have you noticed the Democrats are winning? (laughs) They're they're not going out there and praying to get stuff changed. They're going out and changing things. Whereas Republicans just have another prayer meeting, it feels like. And to, to fellow Republicans, to fellow Christians, is not enough just to sit around and hope the things are going to get better. You have to actually have a plan. You have to have goals and you got to put boots on the ground and meet those goals. You got to make those changes happen. Yes, we can pray for God's help and have another prayer meeting. I'm I'm going to keep praying. I'm not against praying, but you can't just pray. You got to make a plan and you got to go out and do something. And so um, that's where I want to end things for today have a plan thanks for listening to fake news a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast this has been luke taylor reminding you if a reporter's going to interview you make sure you bring an apple